It is Wednesday, the first day of March, 2023. Uh, I'm still on a bit of a high from episode 150. Uh, that was great, and it was fun. Uh, if you didn't listen to that and you're listening to this, well, you're just a numb skull. That's right, a numb skull. Two words, not one, a numb skull. Fuck's wrong with you. Anyways, uh, I'll forgive you if you pre-order Existential Thirst Trap by Robert Dean right now at barnesandnoble.com, available May 8th. Uh, it snowed overnight uh, here outside of the old shed uh, south of town. It wasn't much, as, uh, much of a snowstorm. It, I wouldn't even really call it a storm. It turned into like rain and shit. Shortly thereafter, I'd say we get about two and a half inches. Trust me, I know. Two and a half inches. So, the thing is, like, the, the fucking plow guy that we have showed up, and what a fucking shit job this guy did. What's the point, sir? And then this guy's gonna have the balls to send us a, an invoice for 50 bucks to basically just push slush around in one part of our driveway. It's stupid. I don't even really know why I'm sharing that, other than I am just kind of upset and annoyed that he came out for two and a half inches and then didn't do a very good job. There's way more dick jokes in there, but I'm just not up for it. I'm sorry. Uh, this week I'm talking about rich people. The MBTA. Hero worship versus religion. The NHL, Major League Baseball's new shot clock or whatever, and probably some other dumb shit. Uh, that's all right here, right now, on episode number 151 of Complaints and Observations. Still the most less-than-average podcast on the internet. With a host who's the smartest person in the room when he's the only one there. Continuing Odyssey into mediocrity, guaranteed to make you question your life choices and your own sanity. This is Complaints and Observations with Dave LaPointe. Who the hell is Dave LaPointe? I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. All right, what's up? What's going on? Hey, thanks for tuning in, uh, especially when I don't have, you know, any semblance of uh, content or a guest. But, you know, thanks for coming anyway. Thanks for coming to basically listen to an idiot talk for an hour, huh? I mean, that's more or less what it is, right? So. We had a, a thing at work uh, last week. It was like uh, goal setting and something else. And, you know, I thought about it. And I, yeah, I've never really been like a big goal guy, maybe because I've thought so little of myself that, you know, anytime I set a goal, I immediately fail. Uh, so, you know, it was 
just sort of odd. But I'm like, you know what? Let me let me get in on this and 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 see what's cooking. And the woman who uh, who was running it, yeah, nice woman. Um, not the best presenter, but she was uh, she was good. It was a, a good say hour long topic. And so one of the things that she mentioned was was like not self esteem, but you know, talking down to yourself and this, that, and the other. So I. I spoke up at the end of this thing and I was like, hey, you know, I do that to myself all the time. Um, you know, my self-worth is probably lower than it should be. Um, how do I, you know, not do that? And, you know, the answers that she gave were, were good and things that I've heard before and tried to do. Mostly meditation and it's things that I've, you know, on and off have have done. Um but what struck me was that when it was over, uh, I got flooded with with messages from people saying, hey, you know, that was really uh, cool of you to speak up and, and this, that, and the other. And I thought to myself, like, wow, really? I don't think anybody has ever sort of, like, congratulated me for coming out and saying that I think I'm a fucking moron. First time ever. I guess it's a first time for everything, right? I just found that part interesting. And the fact that I... I say it on a regular basis when I'm when I'm hosting this particular program is that, uh, you know, I, I I think it's fairly obvious. How I view myself in, in a fairly negative light. And it's something that I hate, but it just comes out. Quickly, like when I do shit like, you know, stammer and stutter, you know, call myself an idiot. Yeah, I don't like that. I should probably stop doing that, huh? Yeah, I probably should. Anyways, um, <clears throat> what did I want to start with? I don't know. Shouldn't have started with that, though. Jeez, fuck. That was terrible, huh? Sorry. Sorry, hopefully you stuck around or just kept hitting that 30-second, uh, you know, fucking fast-forward button, which, honestly, it, it was the best and worst podcast invention ever the 30 second rewind 30 second forward who listens to commercials and po on podcasts you got to be a skilled podcast artisan to be able to sneak commercials in and have people not skip them which is why i don't do commercials because i'm not a skilled podcast artisan i don't even know what the fuck that means what does that even mean david See? <laughs> Stupid. Anyways, uh, went up to Derry, New Hampshire the other night with uh, my two dear friends, Mark and John. Uh, I know Mark listens to the show. John only does in the summertime when he's mowing his lawn. So he won't hear this until probably, you know, mid-May. But anyway, uh, went to see Rock Super Group. The Winery Dogs. If you're not familiar, well, you know, no surprise. The band is uh, Billy Sheen from Mr. Big. It is uh, Mike Portnoy. I don't think there's any relation to Dave Portnoy. There, oh, there has to be. Like, he's local. There's got to be some relation somewhere. Anyway, uh, on drums, Billy Sheen on the bass. And then uh, lead guitarist slash vocalist Richie Kotzen, X Poison. Um, 
probably most remembered for being the guy that replaced C.C. DeVille way back when. And then he fucked uh, Ricky Rocket's fiance, and that was that. I didn't know that. I literally just saw that. I looked it up. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, nice job, dude. Hope it was worth it. But hell of a band. Like, legit. Super technically sound. And it it was it's just it's fucking wild. Richie Kotzen has a very sort of like uh dime store Chris Cornell vocals going on. He also doesn't use a pick when he's playing guitar. Like I had never seen that live, but it was pretty fucking awesome. It was a good show. Driving all the way up to Derry. Good time. Always fun to hang with old friends, so it was good. Um, the thing that struck me, though, is that the tickets, the tickets said, and yeah, they were physical tickets. It's New Hampshire, after all. Remember, they're pretty backward. But the tickets said 7 p.m. start. So, we, you know, we we saunter up to the venue at 7.15, and, and they were already on stage. Like They literally started at 7 p.m. That is absolutely unheard of. And the bouncer's like, show started at 7 o'clock. Like, hey, fuck you, pal. Sort of rock band starts on time. <laughs> if you know me, you understand how uh, punctual not only uh, I am, I'm a very punctual person, and how much uh, I loathe people who are late. It drives me bonkers. And so you just sort of expect it with music. You you fully expect a late start because that's just how it is. Not with the winery dogs and not with this nice but odd venue in Derry, New Hampshire. Started right on time, 7 p.m. It was fucking crazy. Anyways, that's uh, that's the ad of the day. The Winery Dogs. They just put on a new album. You should check it out. If you if you like, um, I'm trying to think of the right term for it. Maybe Berkeley Rock. If you like Berkeley Rock. And Portnoy is the only one that went to Berkeley. The other two guys probably could have gone to Berkeley, but they didn't. So they really, you know, they don't get to wear that sort of pin on their lapel that they went to, to Berkeley. But we'll call it Berkeley Rock, which is like, you know, Dream Theater, which is Berkeley Rock. Um, who else went to Berkeley? Bunch of people. <laughs> I think John, didn't John Mayer go to Berkeley for like a minute? I think he did. I can't remember. But uh, so, yeah, if you're into if you're into like super technical rock and Berkeley Rock, check it out. It was good. Last... Last Wednesday, uh, during uh, the trivia event that I host every Wednesday night, uh, all of a sudden the bar gets uh, flooded with a bunch of people, well-dressed people. Turns out they were coming from a, a wake or a funeral, not sure which, but it was uh, someone had died. And now all these people were in the bar, a very small dive bar, to drown their sorrows, to remember the dead. By drinking themselves 
to death. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but I, I find it a tad ironic, right? You don't really, obviously, I didn't ask, like, hey, how did this, how did this person die? Oh, cirrhosis? Well, come on in, have another beer. But it's probably a requirement, right? That at some point you get shit-faced when someone dies, right? It's it's not a... In some parts of the world, that sort of getting shit-faced is a, a celebration. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a remembrance of life and, and thinking that they've moved on to a better, I don't know, life? I don't fucking find out. But I would say that, it you know, it, it should be written into... Scriptures. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. All I know is that the place filled up. None of them were playing trivia, so I didn't give a fuck about them. And they were there to get shit faced after someone had died. So I guess you know the general question is: Is it you know requirement to get blasted after after uh, a death? And I would say yes. You know, you sort of. You drown your sorrows, you wake up in the morning, and you're, you sort of, you forget about the dead, because you feel like death. Ha, 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 that was terrible. Sorry. But, yeah. And then there was, like, one old lady started complaining that it was too loud. It's like, what the fuck? You showed up to a bar on a Wednesday night, and you're complaining that it's loud? Hello? Get fucked, lady. It's probably the the widow. Let's talk sports, eh? Sports. Um, Every team in the NHL is, is looking at the Bruins and are like, yep, they're a fucking wagon. And then immediately making odd trades in an effort to improve. And try to keep up. Like I find it funny. It's it's gone absolutely fucking weird, crazy, uh, just odd. And the thing about the NHL is you don't really. I mean, I don't. I don't want to say you don't really know. That's a generalization. A lot of people don't know. You know, the ins and outs of every team's minor league talent. So it makes it a little bit different and difficult to judge trades of draft picks, especially when draft picks typically in the NHL don't pan out right away for the most part. Um, you know, top five or, or, or ten picks might turn into pros in their first or second year, but anything beyond that, typically it's a crapshoot or a waiting game. You're, you're drafting like high school kids and hoping that uh, they eventually join your team two, three years down the road after a couple years of college hockey or they go to juniors, they go back to juniors, play a year or two, then come back to you, that sort of thing. It's a very odd setup. I don't pretend to know exactly how it works, but whatever. Um, but the thing that, that I find funny is now you're seeing teams that are making trades simply to make trades in an effort to basically tell, you know, give the impression to their fan base that they're, you know, trying to do better and and and, and beat the Bruins who are historically better than every team in hockey right now. It's gross. So you have the Toronto Maple Leafs. 20,392 days since a cup. And 1,102 days since losing to an AHL Zamboni driver. 
they have made a, a basically a trade per day for the last week in the hopes of finally getting out of the first round. Yet they employ Matt Murray as a possible starting goalkeeper. Matt Murray, two good years in Pittsburgh and then washed. They also have Ilya Samsonov. Not Samsonov, Samsonov, um, who used to play in Washington. I think he played uh, on the island as well. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, he's not that great. Yet they keep making deals. The Rags just traded for Patrick Kane after trading for Vladimir Tarasenko. Tampa traded about a dozen picks to Nashville for a kid with you know, rocks for brains and a decent shot who's managed about five goals this year. The Devils and Sharks worked out a deal that moved so many players that they could essentially form half a team, and then Timo Meyer ended up in Jersey. Timo Meyer and his 40 goals in the West ended up in Jersey. I'm curious to see how that plays out. It's all in an attempt to not look foolish when the Bruins finally fucking steamroll them. <laughs> Normally I wouldn't be so confident, but after the uh, uh, the goal from Linus Elmark the other night, um, I'm sold. There's really no way to deny it at this point. Not sure. I'm sure shit not going to say it, what it sounds like I'm saying here, but you get it. They're a fucking wagon. Like, they're getting fucked. They... Like, I'm pretty sure Nick Felino has, like, 10 or 11 goals. Nick fucking Felino, who's, like, 33 or something like that, which, you know, in professional sporting parlance is old. Um, And he's not a goal scorer yet. He's on the fourth line. He's got, like, 11 goals. Like, what is that? That tells you something, right? That tells you that it doesn't matter. Like, sure, they've got Pasternak and, and Marchand and, and, uh, and Bergeron, but, like, the best games are when you see like Tomas Noshik scoring a goal and Trent Frederick getting a goal and Felino getting a goal. Maybe Charlie Coyle pitches in with like four assists or some weird shit. That's the kind of game that you look at and you're like, fuck. The team's a wagon. It's ridiculous. And I honestly, I'm I'm so looking forward to seeing how they manage from here on out. I really hope they don't try to do something stupid like you know, get the wins record or points record or some crap like that because it's not, it doesn't matter. It's not a, it's not a goal. The goal here is the the end. You want to be the last team standing. And as long as they can fucking stay healthy, they're a fucking wagon. Um, I wanted to talk. Why am I so fucking tired? God damn. I shouldn't be tired. It's like 8 o'clock. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? <laughs> oh, man. I'm just so goddamn old and fat and washed. And I, I you know, I'm working a job that requires a lot of time. And I have yet to figure out how to manage said time. Like, I'm still working on that. Because I I don't want to be like some of these people that are working. I work with people who are putting in like 10 hours a day minimum. 
minimum 10 hours a day. I think that I've probably, you know, I'm close to that 10 hours a day, like by the time the week's over, because I'll have a handful of, I'll have a, a few, um, you know, late days and it all comes out in the wash and it ends up being like 50 hours. But I mean, that that's on the low side. You know, there are some people that are working 12 hour days and we fucking sell trips for Christ's sakes. Like it shouldn't be that difficult. And we don't make that much money. That's the other thing. Like if we were making good money. Right. All right. Fine. I get it. But, you know. I'm not complaining about it. One, it's a job. Two, I like it. But Christ almighty, the last thing I want to do is be working so so many fucking hours in the course of a week that I can't do shit that I want to do. Like this, for example. I mean, maybe you don't want me to do it, but I want to do it for you. <laughs> Pizza the Hut. He's calling out for you. Anyways, <clears throat> let's talk baseball, huh? That's right, the Boston Red Sox. Not no, not talking about the Red Sox at all because I don't care. They're going to stink. What I do care about is this pitch clock that they've concocted here. Like they've talked about it in the minors, and I guess it's been in, in like a double A, I think, for two years now. Last year they, they used it through the entire minor league baseball system. And so they've introduced it to Major League Baseball this year. It's become a, a real talking point thus far in spring training when spring training is only a week old. People are like, whoa, spring training games last year. I think it was John Tomasi. You know John Tomasi of the Boston Herald. The Boston Herald, which is now printed by the Boston Globe, which is ironic. It's basically the Globe essentially keeping their competitor afloat when they're not a competitor anymore. Anyway, uh, John Tomasi writes an article basically saying uh, the um, second spring training game of last year and the second spring training game of this year, same opponent, same score, same number of base runners, and the time difference it was about 30 minutes. 30 minutes. It, I, I heard that. I was like, no fucking way. Now, look. It's spring training. It doesn't matter. So let's, let's, let's uh, tap the brakes a tad, right? But the best part about it is that so many people are mad. So many people are so fucking mad. Like, oh, you can't. Why is the game messed up like this? So, so, you know, when batters take too long, they get a strike. When pitchers take too long, they get a ball. It is honestly the most efficient way to handle this shit that they've ever come up with. Somebody on Twitter made a made a video about a, a clip uh, from 2016. Uh, this Dodger pitcher, Pedro Baez. Uh, and then that was 2016. And then there was a, a video of Jose Altuve hitting an inside the park home run in 2011. Altuve cleared the bases seven times between Baez's pitches. Seven. The point it was making is that pitchers just take way too fucking long to actually pitch. 
And somehow Major League Baseball just figured out the only way to stop it was to add a clock. Absolutely brilliant. Now they're punishing slow batters, too. Nomar would be so fucked these days. Fucked. At any rate, I love it. And I hope people keep getting mad. Because the game will move faster. Theoretically, the the action should move faster and be constant. It'll keep people engaged. It's honestly one of the best things the league has done in years. So I'm very, very curious to see how this plays out uh, with literally every team but the Red Sox because that's, you know, the number is 76 and a half this year. 76 and a half wins. And honestly, if I hadn't retired from gambling, I would think about putting money on the over. Like 76 wins is not good. Like, I don't think, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to say I don't think they're that bad. But they they could do, they can go one of two ways, right? They're either going to be somewhat surprising and win like 84, 85 games and kind of sniff, you know, the jockstrap of the second wildcard team. Or they're going to win like 68 games and just be gross. Fenway will be fun this year because no one will be paying a lick of attention to the ball game. Everybody's just going to be there for beer. I don't know who said it, but, you know, Fenway Park, the the best bar in Boston. Like, well, no, it's not. It's a dump. And all the drinks are super expensive. But, yeah. It's a sight to behold. Also, West Ham won last weekend. Came out and they fucking rolled Nottingham Forest 4-0 to uh, get themselves out of the uh, relegation zone. Huge, huge win from my dear West Ham United. Uh, they are, without a doubt, the most frustrating bunch um, I've watched in quite some time. Talent up and down the field, yet can't put it together. Like Blame the manager all day long, but I don't really think it's going to make a difference at this point. Had they fired him, say, during the World Cup break, maybe. But I think at this point, what's, there's no point in letting him go. Just let him play out the string. Hopefully they stay up. They got a big match here Wednesday. FA Cup match against Manchester United, who is coming off a Carabao Cup win over the weekend. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that they go out and and show up. Because it would be really, really nice if they could advance in the FA Cup. I would love to see that. European games start, I think, next week. Um, You know, our first draw, easy. Not again, knock on wood, who the fuck knows. Handful of injuries now, though, unfortunately. Lucas Fabianski broke his fucking his uh, cheekbone and you know, eye socket and shit. He needs surgery, but we have a backup keeper who everyone has been clamoring to get time. <clears throat> Alphonse Ariola. Looking forward to seeing him play some games. Um, Vladimir Sufal. 
He's got a heel injury, and he has been dynamite for at least, I'd say, the last month. Absolutely dynamite. So I'm very, I'm, I'm bummed that he's hurt. He's not playing tomorrow, or he's not playing Wednesday. I, this fallacy of me recording on the day that I actually say that it is. It's not. I'm recording. It's Tuesday night. What the fuck? Uh, so he's not playing on Wednesday. Might miss the uh, the Brighton game this weekend. Not sure. It's up to the manager to manage some minutes here, you know? That's what he's got to do. That was your West Ham moment, folks. Not even a minute. Get involved, dude. You know, you got to start watching soccer. Soccer is a fucking... It's dynamite. It's it's once it sinks in, once it gets you, you're fucked. Next thing you know, you're talking about people and players on a podcast that one, no one listens to. Two, the people that do don't give a fuck about soccer. Uh, there's probably a three in there, but I lost my train of thought. So yeah, come on, you irons, let's fucking go. All right, I want to get into a couple things that I really have no business talking about. That's not true. These are opinions, you know. I'm I'm entitled to share my opinion, even though it's um, you know I don't want to say uneducated because it's not exactly you know accurate, but it's not really ill informed either because I you know I like to think I do a little research when I'm forming my opinions. Uh, they're not entirely rash judgments. Uh, there's a lot of those, but I don't think they're entirely that way. So I wrote down in my notes, um, I think it was last week, where I said uh, my tolerance for people with gobs of expendable cash has waned. And I think that stemmed from a, a conversation that I had uh, with a, a potential uh, buyer who you know, in the span of, you know, a half hour conversation dropped numerous uh, hints about how much money he had. Oh, I have a house here. I have a house there. I have a private jet. Uh, I own this. I own that. And as if, you know, as if I was impressed by this. Now, look, the, the information that he was sharing was somewhat useful because it allowed me to then uh, put together his trip and, and bump up the price uh, to absurd levels. Um, and his wife was the one that actually uh, narrowed that down. But I just thought to myself, what, like, this guy doesn't know me, yet he is so insecure that he has to, uh, you know, let me know how much stuff he has in order to make himself feel good. And And again, could be way off. That was the impression that I got. And I wonder if other people feel the same way, that when someone you know is wealthy and loves to flaunt it for some stupid reason, does it make you say to yourself, what is this person hiding? Where is the, uh, where is the real problem that this person has? And in this particular instance with this guy that I was talking to, you know, it's almost as if he, he's probably, he's, he's approaching 70. I know that, um, you know, at one point, was in charge of a uh, a vast business empire. And I don't think he is anymore, because uh, that's the impression I got from his wife, that he's, uh, you know, not working as much as he once did. And so I wonder if he is feeling inadequate. 
And so he needs to remind people that he doesn't know just how important that he once was or how important he thinks he still is. And it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's lost on me. And I'll tell you one reason why is because I'm not rich, so I don't know. But I would hope that if I were, I would have some, you know, common sense to know that when I'm talking to somebody who I don't know, I wouldn't bring up shit that really is not pertinent to the conversation or that they don't really fucking need to know. So again, like this this guy talking about all the shit that he's got and all of his stuff, and what does it end up doing? It it you know it looked me as a salesperson like oh okay I'm gonna fucking charge this guy to the moon, and I'm gonna talk about him on my shitty fucking podcast. Now look, I'm not gonna like start naming names or, or going into detail because that's equally as shitty if you ask me. But it's a it is such a fucking American, not a solely American problem, but a mostly American problem. We've been fed this fucking bullshit about the American dream for years. And when people, you know, allegedly achieve it, they feel the need to fucking, you know, scream about it at the top of their lungs to anybody that might be with an earshot. So, you know, it, it ties into the bullshit that's going on with with uh, with fucking Elon Musk and Twitter and stuff like that, where this guy is taking a platform that people liked once upon a time, but was a genuine cesspool and somehow making it worse, uh, you know, and essentially feeding it to the worst types of people in America, which, again, it's his business. He can do whatever the fuck he wants with it. But, you know, he's a petulant child, and he bought this thing, you know, to try to make himself the cool guy in the room. He wanted somebody to like him, and now he's got that. I mean, he always had his sycophants, if you will. Um, and we'll we'll get, you know, talk more about that in a bit. But, um, you know, it, it was as if he was trying to buy friends. It's the impression that I've had since since this whole thing began. And I just, it makes me wonder if that's like a common rich guy thing. And it's always a rich guy. Like, how many rich women? Name one. Like that Barbara Huzma wants it from fucking Shark Tank. That's how you know her. You don't know her by name. All these dudes, you know them. Because they're insecure. They need to, have to feel the need to talk about themselves all the time. My favorite rich guy is the one you don't know is rich. The rich guy I hate the most is probably Dan Snyder. And and he's in the midst of a rather uh, hilarious dick measuring contest. Where he's trying, allegedly, to sell the Washington Football Club and has banned Jeff Bezos from bidding for the team. Banned him. One billionaire sort of, and one actual billionaire fighting over just fucking petty, stupid shit. And apparently, uh, Danny Boy has a grudge against Jeff. 
because Jeff owns the Washington Post, right? And the Washington Post published a lot of scathing articles about the old Washington Redskins and their uh, culture and their, their backroom shenanigans and Dan Snyder being a fucking creep. Well, Dan Snyder is not happy about it. So therefore, Jeff Bezos, you can't buy my team. I wonder how much that actually bothers Jeff Bezos. Here's the thing, right? He could buy any fucking team that he wanted. All he would have to do is knock on a couple of doors and someone's going to sell him a fucking team. You know? I think he wants the commanders just because I think that's kind of where he lives. I don't know. Or maybe he looks at it as like a white knight thing where his newspaper wrote about how awful it was and then he's going to saunter in, take the club, and make it a, a winner again. Going to rehire Joe Gibbs. <laughs> it's just so dumb. It's so stupid. But it, this is how it always goes. It never fucking fails. It's like... Just rich people doing stupid shit is as American as apple pie. And that's how it's going to be for the foreseeable future. And part of the reason for that is, is because we worship rich men in this country. Absolute worship. And it goes to what I was saying about hero worship and religion and how they're so very tied to one another just in sort of different ways, right? So you're Elon Musk, okay? There are there are people who would fucking lap up his ball sweat if he asked. That's how much there, there's a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of people in, just in the world who love the man for some weird fucking reason. Like, uh, hey, I worship a guy who stole someone else's company. Not really, but... Like, he didn't create Tesla... Two other guys did. He was the CEO, and then that's it. He bought him out. Or I think he bought him out. I don't know exactly what he did, because I don't care. <laughs> Yet, you know, at the same time, the super religious people, that's their focus. Their focus is their religion, and they worship their God or Jesus or whomever. And that's their, they worship the, the, the deity or the being or the spirit or whatever. That's what they do. It's the same fucking thing. There's no difference. It's just that the, the character at the top of the page is different. That's literally it. And the other reason I thought about this was because I, I just got done reading a book by um, Tom. He was the producer for... Uh, Anthony Bourdain for years. Tom Vitale is his name. And I'm sure Tom Vitale is a nice fellow. I don't know him. Uh, I shouldn't pass judgment, but I find him unbelievably annoying. Because throughout the course of this book that he wrote about his time with Anthony Bourdain, he talked about how scared he was of him, uh, you know, how he didn't, how, how his personality was, was, you know, entirely based on on him being the producer for Anthony Bourdain's programs. And it just got me thinking, like, so he worked for this man for years, yet 
worshipped him, worshipped the ground that he walked on, and he was he was legitimately frightened of him. And I can't I can't figure out that relationship, right? Why on earth would you worship someone who frightens you? What's the point? Like, what's the what's the end goal? Like, do you want to be this person, or do you want to be like this person? So in other words, you want to be like someone who is physically and mentally threatening other people. Where's the where's the logic there? But the whole book was, you know, and it was an interesting read in that it it gave me a good sense of you know, I'm not a uh an Anthony Bourdain sycophant by any stretch. Uh, I I liked his shows, uh, watched watched them on occasion, uh, but I don't I didn't fall under the spell of of this particular celebrity chef who took himself way too serious and had so many personal issues, uh, you know that he took his own life, which reminds me of something else I was going to write down and I didn't do it. Fuck, maybe I'll save it for next week. So, you know, it, it's it's just fucking odd that uh, that this guy w- was so, you know, essentially in love in one way or another uh, with Anthony Bourdain while actually, actually working for him. And then once Bourdain died, like this poor dude struggled, like legitimately struggled for a couple of years. Because that he, because Bourdain died, and he was left with all these unanswered questions and all, the, instead of just realizing that this man was unbelievably flawed and had so many personal demons, which I think he realizes that now, after uh, after his death. But I mean, it is clear throughout the course of this book that he wasn't aware of these things because he was so blinded by the fact that he referred to this man as his hero and his mentor and his, you know, the word savior was not used, but uh, in some capacity, you know what I'm saying? I hope you do. I think all of this tied together nicely. I think this all worked, even though I'm an idiot. I see it. Go back to that again. Uh, I think that all went together and it all ties into just the the basic overarching point here is that religion is dumb and I, and I don't care for it and I find it awfully dangerous and it's the same with the hero worship right if you blindly follow someone you're going to get in trouble whether it's you're going to be disappointed sad uh you know fucked up a, a lot of those things it's bound to happen and look maybe it doesn't happen to everyone I don't know but it's bound to happen and then, you know, people will be like, well, yeah, you, you like Guy Fieri. It's like, I like Guy Fieri. He's great. Love the guy. But, you know, there's no blind worship there. He's just a fucking chef on TV. That's it. I just, I, I, I find the whole act of, like, one human being worshiping another for little or no actual legitimate reason other than their profession, 
or their perceived greatness to be very strange. That's all. That's all. I find it odd. And like the rich guys fighting one another is very similar because you have the, the, you know, the, the giant egos of these rich people who just love for everyone to know how fucking rich they are because they want what, you know, a guy like Anthony Bourdain has, which is this loyal following of, of millions of people worshiping the ground that they walk on. That's what they want. That's the end goal for these guys. Always has been. Why the fuck do you think Elon Musk bought Twitter? I said that from the jump. He bought it because he wanted to be cool. He wanted, he wanted people to like him. That's my weird rant on rich people and religion. And there's more. I mean, there's so many fucking tie-ins. I mean, we could talk about fucking Joel Osmond all day long. Osmond? That's not it. Joel. Oh, fuck. What's his name? What's the fucking preacher's name? Austin. God damn it. Joel Austin. Joel Osmond. <laughs> Donnie Marie's second cousin. Cousin Joel. Cousin Joel. He makes moonshine in the backwoods of Tennessee. Joel Osmond. <laughs> oh, fuck me, man. Hey, you want some you want some shine? No? All right, whatever. These rich guys. What a dumb sort of thing to say. Sounds very simple, doesn't it? I don't know. I don't know. Um, locked up another guest. Very excited for this guest. But I'll talk about it more next week. Big market tease. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. This show is taking sort of a uh, turn towards like, uh, you know, the music scene, if you will. So it's interesting. I like it. I don't mind. It's, it's, it's fun to do. And it's fun to talk to people who are into that sort of stuff. And I, I am, uh, I'm thinking that this this particular guest is going to be fun, and I'm actually trying to get another guest after that. But that's more of a shot in the dark. And I've said this a thousand times. I mean, I reach out to people all the time, and nobody ever wants to come on, <laughs> for the most part. No. But you know, I've been lucky. I've had a handful of really good guests. I said this last week. How thankful I am for everybody that has decided to come on the show. So look. And if you know anybody that's doing anything, pitching anything, selling something, running a business, anything, and they don't mind talking to, to somebody with a with a tiny audience, you know, love to have them. I'd like to talk to as many people as I can. I think it'd be fun and uh, somewhat interesting. Yeah? Yeah? And you on with the show. Anyways, as it is uh, Wednesday, it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show, the end, and three gripes. Gripe number one. People who read out loud what they're typing. 
Why? I don't understand that. So if 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 you're typing, okay, and this this happened during a presentation. Th th this this this. Whoops, Jesus, it's during a presentation at work, <clears throat> and you know, watching the person present, and we're talking about what to do in a certain situation, what have you, and they're typing out uh, the the answer to this particular question, but they're reading it as they're typing it. So it's like tick tick tick. This is what. This and then they read it slow like that. This is what you want to do. Click. I hope you heard that. The click. When it wasn't really a click. It drives me crazy. It literally drives me nuts because it's it just leaves me scratching my head. Like, what are you doing? Why are you reading out loud? I can see what you're typing, or I know what you're going to type. Especially if it's like a question and I and everyone heard the answer to the question. What? Why? Stop. It's not necessary. I'm sorry, I just hit the microphone with my glasses. Oh, boy. I think it might be my bedtime. This is terrible. I had like a pasta. It was like pasta sauce and salt. This is it. Pasta? <laughs> Uh, Italian sausage, pasta, and sauce. That was dinner. It was good. But, man, I think it knocked me the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, grape number two, gender reveals. I know for sure that this has come up in the past. But because I don't really remember much about anything that I record, and it came up again recently, and I'm still confused. A few weeks back, a former colleague of mine posted something about helping with a gender reveal. And I said, why does every parent need to know what's between their unborn kids' legs? Needless to say, that was not well received. Mainly because parents are a rather sensey bunch, especially newish parents. But I, it was, it was a mostly serious question. Like, what is the, what is the actual desire to go through the big charade of what sex your child is going to be? Like, is it laziness? Like, do you need to know what it is so that you can paint the room a certain color or buy certain clothes? Because that just sounds selfish to me. That sounds like, hey. Uh, I don't want to get stuck with a bunch of girls' clothes or boys' clothes if I have one or the other. Oh, I don't want to get stuck with that. Jesus, what am I supposed to do? You want me to paint the room white? What the fuck? I would imagine that your singular concern should probably be, is this thing breathing? And... For at least the first year of their life. And then you can make the proper adjustments from there. Am I crazy? Nope. I'm an expert in childish matters, so you can trust me. The best is, you know, the people that love to film it, take pictures of it. Like, what are you, what are you telling your child? What, let's say... <laughs> 
Let's say, oh, ooh, I just thought of this too. What's next, right? What's the big next, uh, you know, uh, we're having a baby thing. What is that? So at first it was the, you know, the birth announcement. No, no, no. First it was, hey, we have a baby. And they bring out the baby. The townsfolk come by. They're in the, the town square. They see the new baby. Everyone's like, yay, hooray, congratulations, huzzah. Nice going, champ. Things like that. And then it was the announcement. Hey, we're, we're having a baby. Let's all get excited. Yay. Or uh, then it was, you know, when the baby was born, it's published in the paper. So-and-so had a child. Uh, Martha, Martha Louise, whatever. Or Charles William Stevenson V. Yay. Huzzah. Great. You know, then there was the the showers. We're gonna we're gonna shower the parent with gifts that may or may not be useful for rearing that child, right? So that that was the next big thing was the shower. So then came the the gender reveal. Oh, we're gonna have a party, and uh, all the people that that are in our lives that we want to come to the party, they're gonna see uh, what happens when we reveal the sex of our unborn baby. Boom! Yay! Oh, it's blue! All right! Yeah! That's cool! Hey, we're having a baby, and it's gonna be this color smoke. Yay! What's next? Are they in... in oh, boy. Are they gonna start... Oh, that's funny. That's fucking funny. How can I explain this? So let's go through like a, a new parent. The new parenting uh, um, timeline, I guess. I don't know. It's probably the wrong word. So new parents, right? It's like, oh, your friends, you find out, oh, so-and-so is pregnant. You know, they post the thing on Instagram and it's like the little, uh, it's the, it's the, like the, the sign thing with like the, the push letters uh, coming, coming uh, August, 2023. It's baby Johnson. Yay. You know, and it's a professional photograph and who's taking it to the next level. Who's going to be the first person to include a link to Pornhub of the child's conception. Cause that's logically speaking the next line, right? It has to be. These self-important fucks, they want everybody to be in on the fucking life of the child, so they're going to take it to conception. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's funny. It's funny. You get a, you get a card in the mail. <laughs> you get a card in the mail, right? And it's that picture, the announcement picture, right? Then on the back of the details for the, the gender reveal party. And then there's a QR code right on there. So you take out your, oh, what, what, what's this? And you go to your phone, you take a picture of the QR code, and it takes you right to Pornhub. And there's there's soon-to-be dad plowing away at soon-to-be mom. <laughs> or it's... Or, more likely, it's the woman talking about how she's ovulating and she's waiting for her hubby to get home so that he can fuck her. 
If that's a bit that hasn't been done yet, please, for the love of Christ, steal that bit from me, because that's funny. That's funny. I shouldn't need to defend it. That That's how not funny it is, is that I'm defending it. But in my brain, it's funny. Anyways. Uh, gripe number three, doctors. When someone becomes a doctor, right, do they suddenly lose all sense of time? Not just you know, the amount of time that you wait in a waiting room because, oh, uh, doctors are never on time. I'm talking, like, literally for anything. I had an appointment with a doctor last week at work to talk about a trip that he wanted to take. Yet when I called, he says, quote, I'm on the other line. Can you call back in 10 minutes, end quote? Well, I suppose... What else am I going to do? I'm going to sit here and wait for you, doctor. So when we finally spoke 20 minutes later, we went through what he wanted to do. Essentially, he's going to to another country and he wants to go to New Zealand uh, like on the way back or before he goes to the other country, right? So we're talking about dates and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain to him, you know, look, you can't really go to New Zealand for five days. It's not enough time. You're not going to see much. You know, you really need to allow yourself a lot more time than that. So he's like, all right, well, I need to go. Because we're going to be in the other country by the 6th. So, um, I, I, you know, if, if we start, like, if, if I were to do a week, would that be okay? Um, you know, I, I guess, like, a week would be would be okay. It's not ideal. But you can do it. Um, there are ways that you know, I could put. Well, okay. Well, you know, I have, I have a surgery. Let's see, this surgery on the twenty eighth. Oh, uh, I'm a surgeon, by the way. Oh, thanks, douche. Uh, I have surgery on the twentieth, but I can I can move that. It's like what? What do you mean you can move that? You you just said you have to perform surgery on someone, and you're gonna just move it. These guys fuck around with people's time and shit so they can get a few extra PTO days. Like, what the fuck? Sorry, ma'am, uh, but I'm off to Bhutan, so we'll have to postpone this. How does four months later sound? Bullshit. Have some fucking, uh, some, some empathy and sympathy for people and, and value other people's time the same way that you value yours. I say the same thing about lawyers, though. They work like fucking hell to become a doctor or a lawyer. And then they work even fucking harder to not have to work. It's as if they've used up all their hard work to get to where they are, and then psh, that's it, done. We're mailing it in. Oh, I've spent 15 years trying to become a doctor. Oh, I've spent 15 years becoming a lawyer. Why do I need to continue to work hard? Well, because you've chosen a very important profession, sir, ma'am. You probably should give a shit. The same amount of shit that I give about this show, which is a lot. I care so much about this program. Why? I don't fucking know. Thankfully, though, that's it. End of the show. Aren't you glad? 
and there was nothing here tonight. <laughs> Except for that fucking great bit. Look. Uh, QR codes on um, gender reveal party invitations. That's coming. Literally and figuratively. Oh, I fucked it up. Damn it. <laughs> That's coming. Literally and figuratively. Dun, dun, dun. See? Great bit. All right, that's it for the show. Listen, um, you can follow me on Instagram at ComplaintsPod. You can also follow me uh, on Twitter at ComplaintsPod. I have a Facebook page, but fuck Facebook. I have a Twitch channel that I can't figure out, a YouTube channel that I don't use. Uh, I'm also on Mastodon post I think that's it. Yeah, I deleted the TikTok because it's fucked up. Uh, yeah. Also, at ComplaintsPod. Everything is basically at ComplaintsPod, so there you go. Uh, you can call into the show. I had no voicemails this week. Very disappointing. Uh, I ask for them every week. I hope you like me burping into the microphone there. But I ask every week, 617-657-4736. Uh, I'd like you to call in. Uh, I'd also like you to go to uh, barnesandnoble.com and pre-order Existential Thirst Trap by Robert Dean coming out on May 8th. What I would love to do is let you know when the new EP from The, the Quiet Violence coming out, but nope. Nope. Still fucking waiting on that, boys. Not that either of you are going to listen and get this far in the program, but if you do, what the fuck, man? I told Robert Dean to check you guys out. Hopefully he did. I really hope that he did. And I hope that he liked your shit. Anyways. Uh, 617-657-4736. 617-65-RIP-EM. Call in. What's on your mind? Are you complaining about something? Are you observing something? Uh, do you just like talking to answering machines? Because uh, those are the kind of people I need. People that love talking to answering machines. You want to complain about a song uh, that you heard on the radio station and then dial the number incorrectly. Maybe. I'm guessing I'm being played, but that's fine. No problem. I don't mind. It was entertaining. But yeah. All right. That's it. So thank you as always. I appreciate it. Listen, tell your friends. Uh, tell your moms. Tell fucking everybody you know. Uh, rent a, uh, an airplane with, with one of those signs behind it. Uh, or perhaps you want some stickers. Do you want stickers? Let me know. I'll send you some stickers. Need more people to listen to this program. Need more participants. Um, in a couple weeks, great, great, great guest coming up. So I'm looking forward to that. Fingers crossed, yeah? Uh, but as always, listen, take care of yourself. Take care of each other, okay? Godspeed. Ta-ta.